called George last Wednesday and he was still doing that. <laughs> That's how he answers the phone now. Girl. Good to see all of you. It's a good day when you're handed candy at church, right? Just changes everybody's attitude. We're going to open up reading just a, a, a slightly bigger passage of scripture. Uh, I think sometimes it helps to read things in context, and sometimes it helps to get a bigger picture instead of just pulling out a, a, a tiny little portion of scripture. And so we're going to look at a slightly bigger chunk of of Luke 18, just so we see what's going on, okay? Let me, let me bring us to story time here. And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and never lose heart. Any of us need this? He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this woman, this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. It will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves, and they were uh, in themselves that they were righteous and, and treated others with contempt. He said, Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus God, I thank you. That I'm not like the other man, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus, Jesus called them to him and said, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not inherit. And a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And, and the man said, all these I've kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? 
For it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But Jesus said, what is impossible with men is possible with God. Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. And Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come, eternal life. Heavenly Father, it seems contradictory to talk about you and talk about goodness in the same time. Our culture struggles with that. And Jesus, we want to believe that you're good, but we kind of want to believe that you are good in, in the gospel times, and now this is just a little above your head. We pray that you'd humble us in this time, that you would redefine what good is, that you would really make that word holy, that we might recognize you this morning. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Well, we are in Galatians 5, as you probably know if you've been around, looking at the fruit of the Spirit. We've been looking at a, a different descriptor of the fruit each week, and if you haven't figured out that it's goodness this week, you, you might not be the quickest one in the room, <laughs> which is okay. We're going to read the verse here. It's, it's Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So as we talk about goodness, the question that comes to my mind right away is what is good? Like what actually is good? And, and part of the reason that I'm asking this is because I just I went on vacation. Uh, my family just went to, to Florida, my mother-in-law and my kids and my wife, we all went takes two cars because there's a ton of us and we get down to Florida we stay in this house and everybody's got a different definition of what a good vacation is right everybody's got a different one mine is you wake up early you read quiet you kind of stay quiet throughout the day you go to bed early that's a good day that's a good day my kids are like let's find a credit limit and let's pass it that is a good day. <laughs> they hear that there's dolphins in something, and they think we should go ride it. They think free saltwater taffy is actually free. But everybody's got different definitions of good, right? And at different points in my life, I've had different definitions of good. And, and in this Luke 18 this is the core of this interaction that we see between this guy that we end up calling because of subheadings in the Bible, rich young ruler, and Jesus. The whole core of the interaction is, is good. What is good? This, this young man calls out to this rabbi, to this teacher, and calls him good teacher. And Jesus calls him on it right away, right? He says, well, don't call anybody good. Like, God alone is good. And, and he's pointing something out here that one of three things are probably happening. That, that this, this young man, this ruler, is, is making a divine claim. He's recognizing Jesus as Messiah, or he's misusing the word, or he's just flattering him. It's one of the three. 
Because Jesus was aware that good was not like, it's not this scale, like good is here and great is here and awesome is like through the roof. Good is like the descriptor of God. Good is the highest. So really, you should like think about this during the day when someone says, how are you? And you're like, eh, good. But you really mean pretty poor, but I'm trying not to be negative. Like good is like, it's up there. So if you say good, they should be like, oh my goodness, that's so incredible. I'm glad that you're good. There's nothing you could be that's better because that's the descriptor we have for God. And Jesus calls them on that. What do you mean? Do you mean that I'm God? You're just trying to impress me or you don't know what the word means? Because it's, it's really one of those things. But, but this, this rich young ruler I don't like what we do to people in the Bible. We, like, because he ultimately walks away from Jesus, we cast him as a bad guy. He's not a bad guy. Well, he's not a good guy because he's not God. <laughs> but he's not a bad guy. In fact, he looks like everybody I grew up with and, like, honestly, who we all want our kids to be. Like, that's who he is. He's like the American dream passed on a young one. And we're like, oh, he's a bad guy. No, you can't say that. Yeah. If that's who we're trying to raise our children to be, we can't say that's a bad guy. Yeah. It's often described as he's this real arrogant person. No, I think he's got a real sincere question. In chapter 18, verse 21, we, we see that Jesus has just listed off the commandments. And, and this young man says, all these I've kept from my youth. In fact, in Matthew, he says, all of these I've kept from my youth, what is it that I still lack? He knows. He's not coming in like, I, I do it all right. No, he's like, no, I've, I've, I've done what I thought was enough. And I'm lacking something. What is it? You seem to know something different. And in, in the very next verse, uh, we see that Jesus heard this and he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have, distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. In Mark, it says that Jesus looks on this man and he loves him. He looks on him and he, not with judgment, not with, oh, you're, you're, you're like a, a snake in the weeds. You're trying to trick me. You're, you're a punk kid. None of that. He loves him. And he said, here's the thing that you lack, the thing that you're asking for. Let me tell you exactly what that is. That idol that you have. That little God that you made of all the stuff that you have, your security, sell it all. It's a horrible God. Get rid of all that stuff. Give it to people who actually need it. And come follow me and you'll find everything that you're looking for. This young man leaves defeated and discouraged. And this whole conversation, I believe, is centered around what is good, and this young man has spent his life accumulating what he thought was good, and Jesus said, get rid of all of that and grab onto something that is actually good, and he said, I can't do that, and he walked away. Now, my pastor reminds us often that God is the standard of good, right? That we often, like, try to think of, well, I think good is this, this, and this, and we measure God against what we think of. That's not really the way that it works. God is the standard of good, and we measure everything else against God. And so we've got a lot to learn about this word before we even get into the fruit of the Spirit. Because, like, God is the definition of good. But let, let me say it this way. The, the fruit of man laboring 
is the rich young ruler. The fruit of us rolling up our sleeves and doing something is the person that we have called the rich young ruler. That is us. Like I, like I said, this is who we're trying to raise. Somebody who keeps the laws, has power, has authority, has a voice, knows their voice, uh, has their youth, has exponential possibilities in front of them. This is the rich young ruler. This is who I want my five children to become. But here's the thing. It's no wonder that people leave Jesus if the rich young ruler did. If we're trying to raise our children to be this self-sufficient, full of authority, power, everything you need, you've got it all. Go on your own and go do it. It's no wonder they leave Jesus. He did. If the rich young ruler was like, I, I, I I've got good, and I don't know that you're more good than this good. If that's what he's saying, we've got to be aware, parents. I was thinking of this this week with, with my kids. What do I actually want to do? I want to teach them to recognize God's goodness in adversity, right? So I'm driving back from Florida, and our vehicles have like more miles in this country, it feels like. And, and we're driving back, and I got a couple kids in the car. We pull over to the gas station turn the car off, and all of a sudden, under the hood, looks like fireworks, right? I don't even notice. Car's like, um, Dad? Uh. I'm like, what, son? Totally good, what? He's like, there's colors and smoke and stuff. So the little hose, like we had replaced the radiator not long ago, the little hose bubbles up real ugly sometimes, and it had bubbled up and disconnected, and antifreeze went flying, right? I'm like, oh, this is the one of two things I know how to do in the car. Yeah. I was so thankful. I flagged somebody down, said, I need to take your flathead screwdriver permanently, and he let me. <laughs> and uh, rehooked up the hose and filled it with antifreeze and drove real tensely down the road for the next, like, million miles, right? I was like, here, I have a choice on what I teach my kids. And, and, and so I, like, turned off the radio. I was like, Carter, honest, I'm, I'm scared. That scares me. And that scares me for a long time because I'm afraid it's going to happen again, and then something bigger is going to happen. I call your mom quick to make sure her car is working. And, and like, because that just wakes up a lot of fear in me. So then I just sit here and I, like, start to pray and name these fears because I've just, I just, I was gifted like 30 of them at this gas station. And he's like, yeah, you feel that too? Yeah, but you're a pastor. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's what I feel. And I'm like, okay, that's what I need to teach my kids. Not, oh, it's all awesome, and everything's great. Those are the things we have to teach. How do you handle it when you are angry, but you don't want to take it out on the people that you love? You say, I am angry, and I don't want to take it out on the people that I love. I'm going to go take some space. I need a time out. These are the things that we need to hand over to the people around us, or else we just mass-produce rich young rulers who are disinterested in Jesus. Because they don't want to trade the good that they've collected for the good that he is. I know this because this, this was a little bit of me. I tried to live in both worlds. I tried to live collecting my own good and, and responding to his good, and it didn't make sense, and I got really, really bad theology out of it. 
because I started reading things like this, like Romans 8.28. You know this, right? What's Romans 8.28? Yes. It's up on the screen if you can't understand the, like, non-unified memorization going on there. That totally gave me a twitch. <laughs> we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good, right? Okay. But if I am living in, like, stockpiling good world, that means if I only love the Lord, then I get to just collect everything that I call is good. So I have $7, so I can go buy something that costs 25 because, well, God's good. And I'll figure the rest out. Well, I can just step on my neighbor to get where I need to go because, well, that's where I need to go. And God's going to work stuff out for my good. Because it's about me. If we misinterpret what good is, we misinterpret this whole entire verse. But if good is the descriptor of God, then what he's saying is that for those who love God, he is going to work out everything for his kingdom, for you to experience more of God. That is the point of this verse if we actually read the verse. Philippians 1, you know this one. We probably got like three tattoos of this in our room. Yes. <laughs> he who began a good work in you will give you a good raise in six months. <laughs> right? We, we see this one and we start salivating. Yes! I will tell you the good work that you started. And I will tell you how you can complete it. Except that he doesn't answer to us. The places where God started a good work in me are not the places I ever wanted to go. God has done more in my life next to hospital beds. When I'm crying about situations where I have made a mess, when I'm aching for my kids or people in my church, that is the good work of producing the young man that God meant for me to be. That's where that started, and that is what is going to be completed. That's what he's really about if we read it the right way. You see, the fruit of man laboring is just this rich young ruler. Is that who we aspire to be? And if that's who you aspire to be, then you can just like watch a movie in your mind right now because I don't have much else to say. But there is something else. The fruit of the spirit is goodness. It's goodness, which is vastly different than stockpiling our understanding of good. This goodness is the descriptor that we choke out, I think. This is where we stop, stop the, the little uh, roots from developing. This is where we hide the sun from it because we're afraid. This is where we doubt that it's true and we do not let the spirit work within us because God's goodness often we we bang into it in spaces where our circumstances are not our favorite. Those are the places where we often are exposed to God's goodness. It's like that's where the root hits the soil and goes deeper. Our faith says that the Holy Spirit lives within us, right? That he's remaking us from the inside. And if that is true, then it's vastly important to know if you believe that the Holy Spirit is good or not. I think this is one of the most essential questions. Once, 
Once you decide if you believe in Jesus as Lord, the next question is, is he a good Lord? Because if he is not good, you will have a war within you until you die. You will just constantly, and, and we'll have a war between like the part of us that's us and the part of us that we're actually created to be. We'll have that war, but you'll have a whole nother one about like God wants to do a good work in me, but I don't really want him to because I want him to do like this other kind of thing. We don't have to live in there. But the question is, is he good? And here's where it matters. In, in this, we're not a big church. I cannot believe the amount of people who are legitimately grieving right now. So many of us have lost people that we love in the last six months. So many, some families have been once, twice, three times over, have just lost people who mean so much. It's really hard when you're grieving to face that question, is God good? But that's the point that it matters if he's good or not. That's the moment that it matters. This weekend's always a weird weekend for me. Like we're celebrating freedom and independence and how like long this freedom is and how many years we've had it. And I've still got friends who've never like experienced it for a minute. Like this is a weird spot, right? We, we celebrate a theoretical freedom and a theoretical independence. And then in the church, it's really weird that we celebrate independence when we're teaching dependence. Like it's just a mess of a weekend. I understand why people don't come. Like, it's just weird. It's really weird to me. Like, we should be talking about dependence, not on, like, people, but, like, that, that's the core of what this is. Every time I see fireworks, I think of my friend who recoils with PTSD about gunfire. And so some of us are celebrating and some of us are freaking out for good reason. Some of us are celebrating a freedom we already have. Some of us feel like that freedom is not mine yet. And it feels like at least this week nobody wants to talk about it. Because, like, let's just turn the grills on and be okay. But this is the reality. Is God good in the midst of this? In the midst of all that's going on, is he good? That's what matters. And if he is good, what does his goodness look like? Right? So in that passage that we read, I want to encourage you this week, take some time. If you take like verse notes out and you take headings out, did you know the Bible doesn't take long to read? You know that? Like you leave verse numbers in and stuff, it takes me like an hour and a half to read four verses. You pull those little numbers out, I can read it like it's like legible. It's crazy. So this week, read Luke 18. It's not going to take you like forever, but read it maybe even more than once. Here's what I found. Here's what God's goodness looks like in what we just read. Jesus, he, he saw that his people were losing heart. He knows that we're moved by story, so he tells a story, reminding that the God of justice moves speedily. And then he asks him, will you, will you stay faithful? That's what goodness looks like. Being honest about what we're seeing being declarative about who God is, then asking poignant questions. Will we be faithful? He sees that people were trusting in themselves, and he tells a story reminding his people to be humble. He invites children to come to him. He loves on this rich young ruler. He shows sympathy and care for wealthy folk. An acknowledgement that that is a giant hurdle 
to get past, when you've got this stockpile of good and you trade it out for, for God's goodness. He does the impossible. He remembers the sacrifice of the faithful. Later in the chapter, we didn't read it, but he foretells his death, even though it was misunderstood, and he heals a blind man who's calling out to him. Think about that. Somehow a blind man knows which person is Jesus, and Jesus, like if you ever want to just sneak past, I'm not trying to be mean, but like the guy's blind. You could probably keep going. He, he's, he's not going to see you walking away. But Jesus turns, however it happens, goes to this blind man and takes the time to heal him. That's what goodness looks like. That's not what I would predict, but that's much deeper than I would expect. See, the Holy Spirit longs to produce his actual goodness within us, but we resist. We act like it's this foreign, unwanted thing, and I, I believe it's, it's mostly because we've got this story wrong. I believe it's mostly because we've We've forgotten who we are, and we've forgotten that he is the definition of good. You know, in this, in this book that we love, two chapters before everything goes south, God makes Adam and Eve, right? And when he makes them, everything else is good. He makes them, it's very good. It's very good. He's pleased. He rests in the beauty of what he created. And two chapters later, Adam and Eve, they, they, they sin. But they never changed what God saw in them. You know that? Didn't change what he thought of them. Didn't change what he would do for them. Didn't change the way that they were created. Didn't change the image that they were made in, any of that. They sinned, they changed, but God in his opinions didn't change because he's good and he's unchanging. And if that's true for Adam and Eve, maybe it's just true for you. Before all these layers of pain and sin and everything else came on your life and mudded you up, maybe when you were made, God made you because you were very good and you were a gift to share with the world. Because why else would a good God make you? He's not wasting his time. He, he's pretty, like, focused. He, he kind of has intent behind everything. He has goals behind everything. He has purpose behind everything. And he probably said, this world that I am spinning needs a you. And made you as a gift to all creation. Go be salt Go be light. Ah, very good. And layer and layer of sin and pain pile on top. And we start to question God's intention. And we start to question what it is that he meant to do all along. Well, God is present. He's near. He's active. He's powerful. He is good. We can trust him. And his work in you and in me is to let the Holy Spirit from within work through all those layers of mud and dirt and dust and sin and pain and collective damage and all of that kind of stuff to produce a goodness where he can look on you and look on me and say, ha, 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 very good in my image. Amen. That's my boy. Yes. That's my girl. Yes. 
I knew you were in there. You, you know that, that moment in Hook when the, the chubby little kid takes Peter Pan's face and he, like rearranges him a little bit. And he's like, there you are, Peter. I feel like that's what God would do to us. Like, Matt, you just see yourself as this, 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 all these horrible things. Let me just, there you are. There's the one I made. Let that goodness be produced. Let that goodness come forth. So I started pastoring pretty young. I was 19. And I had this dream of how it all was going to work. I was going to be awesome. I was not because like I was made in God's image and he saw a good son, but because just I was awesome. <laughs> and I really thought that everything would be easy. And the worst thing that happened to me is for a couple years it was. Stuff was easy. Youth group grew. I started as a youth pastor. Youth group grew. Opportunities came. Got to train with some awesome people, all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, this is life. God is good. Because I just like stockpiled a bunch of like ministry good stuff. I didn't know God was good. I knew stuff was good. You know the moments where I've learned God is good? I'll never forget holding my dad's hand before my dad passed. I'll never forget his last words to me and to my wife. And I'll never forget being at his funeral with my friends and my family and saying, I, I'm not ready to let go of my dad yet, but I am ready to let go of the idea of if I'm enough. Because God has shown me and my dad said that I was enough for him. And if I'm enough for those two, I'm good. Yeah. I know that God's good because I know that moment. I know that moment where you all were praying for little Anna this year. And I'm right before surgery, I'm holding her hand, terrified of what God's doing. And I don't know. And you guys who are medical people are like, Matt, seriously, it's okay. I'm like, no, it's not. It's my baby. And watching my little girl bounce back. And watching health come into her in ways that I've never seen before. And hearing her, like, I wake up and wonder if she's going to have a new word now. That has not been our story. I know that God's good. In those moments when my kids are scared. And I get to be the one who holds their hand, even when they're mad at me or they're scared of me. But I'm still the one who gets to hold their hand and say that it's going to be okay. Not because circumstances are going to die down. They might never die down. I don't know. But God is good. The moment that I get to bring my son, Carter, who lost his sixth friend this year to death, to violence. And I bring him to the funeral, but he asked that I go in with him. And we go in there and we cry together and then we go just eat barbecue because we don't know what else to do. I know that God is good. The moments when we gather and honest, my favorite part is when we have that awkward moment at the communion table every week where we like half hug and half wonder if we're supposed to. That moment every week reminds me that God is good because it's people who've got unbelievable amount of circumstances and challenges and piles of reasons to give up and throw in and say, I no longer have faith, but you guys continue going, not because you guys are awesome, but because God has started to reveal his goodness. And you're like, I want more of that. And I'm watching us push away pile after pile of the things that we have accumulated and say, I no longer want what I once wanted. I only want God. 
and again and again, like I didn't even know this was something that I wanted. But I'll set that aside too, because I only want God. That is how I know that God is good. His word says page after page after page, not that our life is going to be easy and awesome, but that our God will be good. There's this verse that I've been praying over that would be true of me and that would be true of you. And it's kind of like, for we're, we're weird as people, right? We reserve some things for some places. We reserve this for funerals. This is like what I want for us. And I'll kind of close with this in Psalm 23. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. And because of that, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. When we walk in with souls that need restoring, well, he's in the business of that. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though this week, Many of you have walked through the valley of the shadow of death. We will fear no evil, for he is with us. You're my rod and staff. Your, your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This last 10, 15 years, I don't think one thing has turned out the way that I thought. Not one thing has worked the way that I thought it would. And I know so much less than I knew 15 years ago. I was so smart then. Just, you just all you had to do was ask me. But I know that I know that I know that my God is good. And I know that not much else matters. I might not know what tomorrow's going to hold. I might not even know who's like tearing down chairs today. I might not know what I'm doing this afternoon, but I know that God is good. I, I don't know that the hose isn't going to disconnect in my Jeep between here and my house, but I know that God is good. And I know when we gather next week, I know that there will be more circumstances that tried you and tried me, and if not us, extensions of us, or else we're not really walking in this, in this world among God's people, right? But I know that he's bigger than them and that he's good and that his kingdom will come and his will will be done. And I know that this place is here to see that happen. And so as we close this morning, we're, we're going to close a little bit different because I, I think this goodness of God and then this goodness being produced within us, I think we're desperate for this or we should be. And I think it's this confusing Thing And so here's what we have. We have a, we're going to actually respond. I've told you about this the last couple weeks. Right here are more now laters if you're hungry. And, and it says chairs in this envelope. Over here it says names. And in the back is our regular offering. Okay? Uh, right now there's going to be some, some little note cards passed out. And some pens being passed out to you guys. And this is a part of worship. Okay? We're doing an offering right now, our regular offering, but we're doing two other parts of our offering right now. There are people in our lives who desperately need to know God's goodness. 
let's trust the good God with them. And I want to ask you to write their names and put it in this, put it in this bowl. And what's going to happen is we're going to keep the names. We're going to pray over these names. If you want access to the names because you're prayer war, we want more people praying. So tell us, tell me, I'll give you their names. Here's what else is going to happen. When somebody that we wrote their name down experiences the goodness of God, you're going to tell us. And we're going to pull that name back out. And you go give that name to them and say, hey, I remember when. I remember when I prayed for you, that you would know God's goodness. And that prayer well, that, that happened because when we start to do that, we like stockpile memories of God's goodness and faithfulness. And we need more of that in our life. So we're going to put names over there. You guys know that there's, we're doing an offering for these chairs. This is a chair for 1212. We, we still, we need to raise some money still. We, we've got a chunk of money to do. We've got the work ready to be done, but we need to raise money. And we need to be praying about this. And we're raising money for these chairs. These chairs cost $10 a piece. It looks like just a chair, but that is the chair that our friend can sit in. And so some of us brought extra money for this offering. That offering goes over here, okay? So any names go to this side. Any, any money for the chairs goes over here, and then our regular offering is in the back. The other thing, there are some of us desperately need to know God's goodness ourselves. We might even know Jesus, but we don't know him as good. Or we need to be reminded that he's good. And if that's you, we're going to have some ministers over this way and some ministers over this way who would love to pray with you or would love to listen to you or would love to meet you where you are. These are people who, who know of God's goodness. And so we're going to take a couple minutes to do this, okay? Let me pray over us. If you're writing, that's good. That's totally like a holy moment. So let's, let's do this. Father, you're good. And in those moments when I've desperately needed a good, good God, I praise you that your character never changes. And in this room, we have people who desperately need to know that you're good. And in the lives of those in this room, we have friends who desperately And I know that the vehicle that you have for that is producing this goodness within us, which is much more than morality. It's much deeper than that. It's your, your character being shown through us. And I pray that you would do your work, that we would trust you. So for these names of these people, would you please meet them where they are and reveal yourself as good? For this money for these chairs, would you please multiply that tenfold, like, it's, it's just a building, but that space, I know that that space is where your people who desperately need to hear of you are, and we need to get there. We trust that you're good as we wait. For this offering, we trust you with that, with this room. We trust that you're good. We thank you for it. In your name, amen. Go ahead as, as you're ready. Names over here, any of the offering over here, and regular offering in the back.